0: grumpy old geeks a weekly talk show hosted by brian schulmeister and jason de discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame welcome to grumpy old geeks i'm jason de and i'm brian schulmeister this is the ass crack of dawn edition of grumpy old geeks it's very early in the morning uh Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Scheduling can be fun sometimes. Uh Yeah. So wife is still extremely busy with work. We still don't have any daycare solutions because there are none to be had. And uh, yeah, I'm on my last week of work for the job that I had started until I got furloughed because everything sucks but that means i have a lot of work this week so i'm trying to wrap up every project that i was working on so good times Seven thirty in the morning
0: hello <laughs> yep and thanks for everybody who didn't uh, bitch and moan about us taking a an episode off we needed some i needed well me personally i needed some existential me time oh yeah what, what does one do with existential me time uh tries to figure out what the next week's going to be without going Bug-nutty insane. <laughs>
1: oh, if that's the case, we're down to one episode a week, Jason. I'm going to need that da- every week. <laughs> we're down to one
0: episode a month, man. <laughs> that's about it. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So a little bit of follow-up. We talked about the uh, the Quibi fan podcast that got the cease and desist from Quibi. And uh, there is a self-penned article over on Slate. I'm a, I like Slate, but I'm a little upset that they let this article go in because it is written by the the two uh, founders of that podcast. And it basically is an ad for the podcast Um, in all shape and form. They're just talking about, hey, this is our podcast. You should listen to it. Uh, But they did talk a little bit about what happened um, and the fact that actually Jeffrey Katzenberg ended up coming onto their podcast to discuss Quibi, which is pretty amazing in which itself, is pretty amazing. And he was very polished and professional and, you know, pivoted away from the questions that they were asking to get his talking points in as media professionals are wont to do. Uh, the thing that I found really interesting outside of the fact that that's, this is basically an ad that's been posted as content uh, is the fact that they seem actually generally upset about the fact that Quibi came after them. While in their own writing, you can tell that they were basically taking the piss out of Quibi to begin with. Yeah. Uh, they they repeatedly called themselves as a fan podcast. Um, <laughs> but that does not seem to be the case. I do not with believe that. With fans like, like these. <laughs> with fans like these, exactly. That's, that was my impression and takeaway from reading the article. It was like, you should probably stop calling yourself a fan podcast. You discussed Quibi, not necessarily in a good way. And uh, understandable why they may have wanted to come after you.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it, it was a well written article, but it was an opinion piece, or mm-hmm. you know, editorial, or something like it. Was just it wasn't news yeah. in any way, shape, or form. It was definitely an ad for their podcast. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> which I shall not be listening to.
0: No, I don't. Couldn't care less because uh, I couldn't care less about Quibi because over at the Verge they've got uh, they've got an article about how Quibi is going to start adding sharing features because right now it's basically a walled garden and you can't even you can't even tweet about your shows. No screenshots. No nothing.
1: Yeah, that's silly and,
0: and I love this. This is this is my takeaway from this. I'm, I'm reading the whole thing. And of course, Katzenberg is just basically basically blaming everything on, you know, COVID-19 and it's like, there's, there's a pandemic. I, we suck because there's a pandemic. No, 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 no. Trust me, your app sucks. <laughs> your 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 concept sucks. Yes. And I love this. This line just just made me laugh. There are a whole bunch of things we've now seen in the product that we thought we got mostly right. But now that there are hundreds of people on there using it, you go, "Uh oh, we didn't see that coming." Yeah, <laughs> hundreds that's called of people,
1: beta testing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's called beta testing, and the, I just love that he called it hundreds of people, which sounds yes. about right to me. That
1: sounds about right. Yes, hundreds. Yeah, I mean, all streaming. There are two things, two forms of streaming media that have suffered during the pandemic: uh, Quibi and podcasts. That's yes. it. Everything else is doing bonkers.
0: <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. Uh, and to be fair, though, uh, Quibi does have about 1.3 million active users, which still, for spending that much money, I know kids on TikTok that have that many active <laughs> users on their, you know, their dance videos a day.
1: Yeah, 1.3 million active users, considering they were advertising for Quibi for six months, including Super Bowl ads ahead of time, is uh, ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the sign up thing didn't work for me. And once I finally got in, now I've got like 17 emails from them a day that I had to go back and cancel. And then I just canceled my trial because I'm like, I, this is just not, just, I don't like it. <laughs> There's nothing there. No, I you know, you have to wait for all the shows to come out, like all the episodes, and then you can watch a show. But mm-hmm. this, like, you know, 10 minute, 10 minute, 10 minute. Uh, nah, not for me. Uh, but what is for me is The Mandalorian. And uh, surprisingly, uh, they're saying that the new episodes that are scheduled for October are still going to be coming out. Well, hopefully they were mostly in the can, and it was just a little, uh, well, obviously
1: they were mostly in the can because you can't go out and shoot anymore, so it's mostly just uh, you know
0: post-production stuff, and I guess those folks are able to do it at home. Yep, which also answers our question about the expanse that somebody wrote in about. So mm-hmm. if these people are able to do post-production at home, then, you know, hey, maybe we'll get some expanse sooner than later too. That would be nice. Another thing we did get, though, that I just I got an email about this morning is that Shakespeare for Squirrels by Christopher Moore is out. So is it? next at the Wait. library, it's out. Is. Yes, it came out today. Okay, so uh, let's let's
1: circle around the wagons here. Um, <laughs> the Mandalorian uh, is able to finish their post production. They're with Disney Plus. They, you know, Disney's got the money. They've got the wherewithal. They've got the experience. The Expanse is with Amazon. Now, Amazon mm-hmm. has the money. However, I have signed up for, uh, you know, uh, uh, I follow authors on Amazon, and I follow Christopher Moore. So, if his new book came out, why did I not get a fucking email telling me that his new book is out? Now I don't believe that they're going to get the Expanse done because obviously they don't know how don't know how to do shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I got I basically pre ordered it on Audible. And I got a note at midnight that said, your book is now ready for download. (sighs) Well, you know, I follow Christopher Moore to get updates from
1: Amazon. So, you know, (laughs) if you want to sell things, it would be a good idea to send that email letting me know that the
0: new book is out now. No no email. Check the spam folders. Check the spam
1: folders. I check the spam folders every fucking morning. I'm a professional.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it kind of defeats the purpose of the spam folder, though. Well, just a quick, you know,
1: once a day, a quick run through to make sure, you know. You, just do, yeah, you, do, you do a quibby on it. Yeah, I do
0: a quibby. in 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and believe it or not, my Loomis are in the mail and arrive
1: tomorrow. You have a tracking number?
0: I Maybe. got a tracking number. They're, they're on the road. Hmm. So. All right. We'll see. Was we'll this see. A year and counting? At least. Uh, I, I paid for them in July of last year and they were supposed to be here for the holiday season and they didn't mention that it was the, the holiday of season July. 2020. <laughs> yeah. So I got two of them and we'll see. I'm only going to I'm only going to open one and give it a shot cuz the other one might have to hit eBay. <laughs> right. It's not that good. But you know, if <laughs> if if nothing else this thing has given us at least more material than I'll probably ever use the the keyboard for. <laughs> Most likely, yes. Yeah. And I got uh, a mask update because everybody's been buying our, our Grumpy Old Geeks masks. And if really? you want one, go to GOG.show slash shop. Uh, tens uh, of people? Uh, well, we have 23 people have bought the main mask, Oh, the, uh, the, the just the Grumpy Old Geek branded mask. Eight have bought the Team Brian mask. Mm-hmm. And 14 have bought the Team Jason mask. Uh, deluded fools. <laughs> Smart people. <laughs> I, like the, I like the intelligence of our audience. I actually need
1: to order one because we did not get free samples, so I could use uh, No,
0: we didn't. Uh, yeah. Talk to me off the air. I can get us some, I can get us some discount. Oh, pricing. you got a connection? I got a connection. <laughs> can hook, hook us up. Only oh. if you wear Team Jason, though. Fine. I don't care. <laughs> In the news...
1: And speaking of things that have been a long time coming, like your Lumi keyboard, even before you decided to order your Lumi keyboard that you have not gotten yet, Facebook had announced that they were going to have a content oversight board, and they've finally shared the names of the first 20 members. Yes, this was announced in 2018. It took two years to get 20 people together for a board, apparently. (laughs) Uh, So... I don't know why this would take two years to do, but it took two years, so they've announced them. Uh, Some of the more notable selections include Alan Rusbridger, who is a former editor-in-chief of The Guardian, Hel Thorning-Schmidt, the former prime minister of Denmark, I'm sure he knows a lot about content moderation. And John Samples, the vice president of the Libertarian Cato Institute. there are also Nobel Prize laureates and activists among the body's membership. Interestingly enough, as I went through uh, the lists that have been released, not a single programmer or anybody used to or skilled in social media. <laughs> Of course not. Of course not. So there have been some conservative members which have raised eyebrows, which is stupid because uh, uh, rarely enough, I will agree with Facebook about this. You want a good demographic selection. So, of course, there should be some very conservative people on there. So we'll see if this actually ever does anything. They say they're on track to start hearing cases later this year, despite the coronavirus pandemic again. Why the coronavirus pandemic would slow down putting together a content oversight board that will be looking at things online and making decisions online (laughs) about things that happen online would be slowed down by the pandemic is beyond me.
0: Uh, Yeah, I know. It's not like they're going to a star chamber somewhere in Geneva, you know, under a mountain to talk about these things, you know. Maybe that is what's slowing it down. This is Facebook.
1: I would love to fa- I would love to have them have that black star chamber with just the mm. one light and there's a computer there's a laptop sitting in the middle of the room. And <laughs> The light shines on the laptop where there's a questionable post because some mom breastfed her kid.
0: <laughs> oh god. And a dot matrix printer to, to print out the verdict. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'd be amazing. Another Facebook lose uh, news. Well, lose is actually appropriate. I guess that <laughs> I was, was say, <laughs> a Freudian slip.
0: That was a really good. That was that was a Zuckerbergian slip on that yes, one. Zuckerberg sure.
1: Zuckerbergian slip. Ooh, show title. Uh, <laughs> Facebook-backed Libra has gotten a new CEO. Yes, we thought it just kind of went away. It hasn't yet. They've got Stuart Levy, a former U.S. Treasury undersecretary who has spent the last eight years as HSBC's chief legal officer, is leaving the bank this summer to become the Switzerland-based Libra Association's chief executive. So this is obviously a move uh, that is meant to quell the we don't want your stinking digital currencies to screw up our real currencies. Let's get somebody who's actually used to real currencies to be put in charge and water down the entire purpose of the whole thing to begin with and basically just become maybe a new currency. But honestly, I think all Libra is now is a toy thing for rich people to get rich salaries and do nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Basically what they, you know, the promise of what they've tried to do is now completely gone, all gone. And because, yeah, people are just like, we're not going to let you do that, period. Yep. Yeah. You know, they, Mark, even you have limits, dude. You cannot go up against the uh, you know, big the money global economy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although you wait a couple of weeks, it might be the only only option left. You got, uh,
1: you're still going to have to have real money to put in to get your Libra. Don't know how that's going to work out. Yeah, yeah. And another bit of news from the Wayback Machine. Once again, I don't understand why everything takes so fucking long in this digital age, but here we are going back to 2017. And I believe John Oliver did a big thing about this way back when, too, uh, when we were all kind of getting upset with the FCC for that uh, net neutrality thing that they were going to do. And uh, they opened up their commenting system and uh, they went, hey, everybody seems to be for this because there were tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons, and tons of robobot comments and fake net neutrality comments uh, that seemed to support them while the vast majority of the public went, uh-uh, we don't like this. Uh, The uh, New York Times sued the FCC in 2018, demanding that the agency release data logs so we could look uh, and see what was going on with all those fake comments. And a judge has finally determined that, yes, we need to take a look at this three years later
0: finally (laughs) Ah, the wheels of government go round and round yeah it's
1: it's all a bit slow everything with these companies which you think that it wouldn't be because you know they're not anyways whatever so (laughs) we're gonna find out now what was going on with this in theory so uh, wait another two years as the legal system churns on before anything gets turned over and then another year and a half after that after the uh, barely paid journalists can go through it and figure out what's going on and then we'll find out what we already know which is, there are a bunch
0: of Russian bots going through there. Exactly. Basically, yeah. grabbing half half of them are dead people. The other half are people that, no, it wasn't me. That wasn't yeah. me. Nope. And even the comments are like all the same. So it's like pretty easy to narrow that down. But what they want are the IP addresses. Yes. So, which probably all come from the US anyway, because all the damn computers are owned by the Russians and they just use everybody's home machine as a VPN. Yes. And of course,
1: you know, if you go to gog.show
0: slash VPN,
1: they would never you get your can IP join address. In. <laughs>
0: Okay, uh since we don't have more on of the week, I had to put this one in here. Elon Musk has reopened Wait, his Tesla factory.
1: More on of the week. Uh Elon Musk. Hmm, there are like 25
0: stories you could put in here.
1: <laughs> yeah, over the yeah. last
0: week. <laughs> that's that's really it. It really is. It, we're going to have to Kanye his ass soon. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh so yeah, he opened his uh factory back up and said, "Hey, look, uh if you need to come and arrest somebody, Just arrest me. I'll be the only one to get arrested. I'm like, okay, let's take him up on it, please. I
1: I agree. And actually, that's the one thing that I would put him under hero of the week as a caveat of moron of the week is he at least is offering himself up and saying, I'm going to open it up. Don't arrest anybody else. Come arrest me. So, Governor Newsom, have at it.
0: Please do. Please do. But we know he's not going to because now now, you know, Elon has made the threat that I'm going to move all of my business to Texas and. I'm like, okay, go, see ya <laughs> Off you go, scooch, scooch You've been nothing but a pain in the ass around here So And they're like, and what's the rush right now? Why, are, are people yeah, why really now? clamoring to buy Teslas?
1: No, of course not He just wants to grease, the, he's big, you know He's a big business guy, he wants business to start up As all businessmen do, but uh, You're not above the law, Elon
0: Yeah, Apparently he is, because he has not gotten arrested yet hmm. Alright, well Yeah <laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: One, one show off was not enough, Jason. Now I'm just angry and depressed again.
0: <laughs> I was almost feeling okay. Kind of. No, no, really. no, 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 no,
1: Okay. And then uh, isn't it ironic news, Stack Overflow, the site where all of us who used to program or still do go to, well, the headline says, get their questions answered. But the real thing is get the code that they're going to put into their site is reducing <laughs> yeah. its workforce by 15% because of the coronavirus. I, I was not aware that uh, a forum... Basically, it is just a forum had that big of a workforce, but apparently they do. So 40 employees, which is 15% of their company, are being furloughed. So they will be able to keep their health insurance and other benefits for some period of time. And some other people were laid off as well. Um, Not surprising. Nobody's working. Nobody's going to stack overflow to steal code. So no ads.
0: Well, it's not even that. It's the the main uh, people that got got furloughed, and uh, the the ones that didn't were like contractors that they couldn't keep on. Mm-hmm. Uh, always the case. <laughs> yes. Welcome to contractor world, guys. I, I'm one of them. I've been furloughed. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they've got a basically a hiring division where they can you know do recruiting for companies and right. have people on Stack Overflow like you know do tests and stuff like that. And since huh. nobody's hiring, that's why
1: I was not aware that. that they did that. That is a good pivot for them.
0: Yeah, it's actually a pretty good service if you're, mm-hmm. you know, trying to hire people. What, what better place to look for programmers than Stack Overflow? Because everybody's got that bookmarked, right?
1: And uh, some bad news for us, Jason, because we're not a big fan of influencers. But according to Business Insider, influencers are not being destroyed by the coronavirus advertising meltdown. As we know, advertising is down across the board, uh, and those people that do advertise just do the same blanket in these trying and unprecedented times. Yeah. Bullshit ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the uh, the influencers were able to pivot a lot better, and they're more nimble than than other agencies are, say, or other media areas. And uh, they are doing okay because they're using uh, different ad, different revenue opportunities, including merchandise sales, much like we are. Get our masks uh, through companies like Fanjoy, e-commerce affiliate revenues through pat- platforms like Reward Style, and recurring subscription incomes through services like Patreon and a variety of other categories. Or if you're a young hot girl, it's very easy to make money online.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, yeah, consumer demand is strong. In fact, it's stronger than ever, obviously, because people are just sitting around looking at their phones all the time. So the influencers, for the most part, if they're able to monetize through other avenues, are doing all right.
0: Yeah, it's really the it it makes sense. It honestly Mm -hmm. makes sense.
1: Yep. And I thought this was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, too bad. I also saw this over at Business Insider. This is a breakdown of what God, I hate this term, a micro influencer. And how he is doing on YouTube. So he's got 25,000 subscribers and he breaks down his monthly income in April and shows how the coronavirus has affected his business. This is Jimmy Ton, again, the the coined term, the micro-influencer, who runs a tech review YouTube channel with 25,000 subscribers, shared how much money YouTube paid him in April. Uh, He earns money through the ads that play in his videos, obviously, and his YouTube channel earned $1,680 according to a screenshot viewed by Business Insider. So, you know, direct ad revenue rates are down uh, because of everything that's going on and shifting ad budgets. But he says that his YouTube uh, views have dropped by 35, or his rates have dropped by 35 to 40% in the past few weeks, even though views are up. So he's basically staying dead even. More people are watching a show. The rates have gone down. He's making the same amount of money.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that tracks. That totally yep. tracks. He should try a <laughs> podcast with 25,000 subscribers. He could definitely make a little bit more money than the, the 1680.
1: Yeah. But, but as we've discussed, uh, podcasting and Quibi are the only two uh, things that are going down. So yeah. he's getting more views on YouTube. He would be getting less listens on his podcast because
0: no commuting. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So uh, and, and we've got enough and, competition. Yeah, Stick, we don't stadium. need him. Just Stick listen there to on us. YouTube. We should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if he's a micro influencer, what would we be? Teeny tiny influencers, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, God! I actually oh, watched really his show, and
1: we're we're much better. Of course yes, we are. Of course we are. <laughs> and over at the New York Times, I found an article and I read through this, uh, How My Boss Monitors Me While I Work From Home. And I just thought this was really interesting and a little creepy. So the author of the uh, the article uh, decided to go ahead and install some of the spy-like software that he was looking into as he was beginning to write this article. That uh, So he tried it out on himself. He used uh, this company uh, called Hubstaff. Which terrible name for a, a company, by the way. Terrible name for a company. So uh, he installed the software and gave his uh, his editor basically the the boss key for it, and he tried it out on himself as a guinea pig. Every few minutes, it snaps screenshots of the websites he browses, the documents he is writing, and the social media sites he visits. Uh, from his phone, it maps where he goes, including, you know, he took a bike ride and all that sort of stuff. So, And uh, he, he basically just did this for... I Think about two weeks or something like that, and he discovered a couple different things. Um, first off, it starts to affect his own behavior. Uh, of he, course, Henry, yep. He basically starts to do things with the knowledge that he's being watched and tracked, and he games the system. So he started doing things like you know when you leave your office or go walk around or go to the bathroom or things like that. You make sure. 100% that you have something work related up on your screen, not whatever you're futzing around with. And, you know, just basically leaving things open for longer periods of time to make it seem like you're working longer and all that sort of stuff. And her, his editor actually had comments as well saying, This is creepy. I don't like being able to see this about my employees. And I don't, it's definitely an invasion of privacy.
0: Yeah, yeah, she just called it ick. Yeah, because <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, these things they they really screw with you over time because you're you're always being watched, and mm-hmm. you know it it builds up a low level of anxiety in yeah. the employees, and you know makes work a not so much fun, so you do worse work. And I just I, these things are these things are a bad idea. They're just mm-hmm. a bad idea. I mean, judge people on the amount of work that they actually get done. If they're not hitting their deadlines or not getting their work done. Address that problem, but spying on employees is a bad, bad idea. Well, and continuing with that
1: theme, there could be some
0: interesting changes when
1: and if we do go back to offices uh, and (laughs) especially if we don't have a vaccine uh, contact tracing in the office uh, using RFID technology. So if you go back to your office, uh, they want to know if you're washing your hands or not, and they want to know where you're going around the office. So a lot of uh, companies around the around this country are thinking about using badges and wristbands to track whether staff members are practicing social distancing. And even whether they're washing their hands or not. So privacy is dead.
0: <laughs> I mean, a lot of these badges in these big companies already have uh, RFID yeah. built into them. But there's a lot that RFID does not do. And, you know, distance tracking to to people is one of those things. You know, I, I worked with some people trying to figure out some like RFID triangulation technology a long time ago to see how narrowly you can track somebody with a with an RFID tag. And mm-hmm. it's pretty difficult. Because just the way the system works, you know, right. the way the radio waves bounce off the tag that actually generate the signal and things like that. Right. It's it like doesn't have the granularity there. of six feet. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the problem, I think. So, uh, I don't know. Bubbles, man. Everybody just needs to wear a bubble <laughs> here at the <laughs> office. Oh, God. And how do you check if somebody's washing their hands? I yeah, mean, I
1: don't quite understand how RFID is going to tell if you've washed hands or not unless you build it. Uh, whatever. Just, uh, just yeah. let people it's, be. Jesus Christ.
0: Actually, you know what? We can't do that because people are stupid and they won't wash their hands. I think that's a self-selecting problem that might take care of itself. Today's episode is sponsored by
1: Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show/slash VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to GOG.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet, completely risk-free. That's GOG.show slash VPN.
0: This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about DeleteMe. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering DeleteMe was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people, fueled by their beliefs, can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. And enter code GOG at checkout. That's J O I N D E L E T E M E dot com slash G O G with code G O G at checkout. Ups and doodads. So in a in a weird twist, all of the projects that I really ever had to use Slack for have gone away, uh-huh. and uh, I've I've gotten rid of Slack on all of my devices. Oh, does this I take- mean I can in- uninstall
1: it now? Because I was only using it for us. I'm on Teams for everything else. Yep, you are free and clear to move about the country without oh, Slack. How nice, I actually get to remove a program.
0: What a, I know. That's,
1: all, that's always a, 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 that's very exciting. Celebration,
0: <laughs> I love removing programs. The thing about it is I still have – I'm still used to checking it all the time. So I have phantom slack syndrome. Oh, dude. I've had it open all – even
1: though we weren't doing a show and I knew I wouldn't really be talking to you unless it was about, like, stupid shit. Uh, I, I left it open the entire week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mine was always open, too. And I was like, uh, ding. Oh. You know, I had the, the, the notifications turned off and they have the at least the, the nice snooze setting. Mm-hmm. So you can only – you know, you can only be bugged from, like, you know – I had mine set for, like, nine in the morning to four in the afternoon. But still, I would still check it and see if anybody needed anything, which obviously nobody ever did. Right. Now, here's here's
1: something that we don't talk about a lot of the time, but I always like to go back to this. Now, I obviously uh, somewhere I have an account registered with Slack, the company, because I'm using their product, correct? Now, is, is there a way for me to go delete that because this is what we're supposed to be doing when we remove services and, and products is we go find a way to have us removed username and password and any other data that they have about us. We should delete all that stuff and ask them to delete and remove our accounts. Does Does Slack have that? I didn't look
0: because I. You because know, we are I, professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we're professionals. And I think maybe I'll need to get back on it at some point. Um but yeah, I didn't even I, I didn't even think about that. I should definitely I think about these things. That. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hmm, that is interesting because
1: you know they will get hacked at some point. I mean, it doesn't matter for us because we are professionals and we use our one password and our and our single use passwords and all that sort of stuff. So if we find out we got pwned because Slack slacked on their security, and all our data got sucked up, uh, wouldn't be too big of a deal. But I do like to try to keep a clean slate with these sorts of things where if I'm going to stop using a service or, or a piece of software, and I know that they've got an account registered for me, I want to be able to request
0: them to delete it. So I will have to look into that. And another thing about Slack is if somebody does get your Slack account and your password and can log in, then they can theoretically just get all of your historical messages that you didn't go back and delete, mm-hmm. which could cause problems for yes, some people. Definitely. Especially the shit that you and I talked about. <laughs> I know. That's. I'm thinking <laughs> I'm, I should go delete that now. Yeah, you're welcome, Jason. I'm glad I reminded you. <laughs> yes. And somebody reminded Slack, too, that uh, we now live in the future. <laughs> and they have finally started to strip location data from images that people upload. Oh, now, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this guy wrote about this like three years ago. And Slack was just like, meh, we'll Who maybe cares? get around to it. Who cares? Well, turns out a lot of people did care, finally. Uh, the, Slack's not saying why they did it, but I'm hoping it's common sense. And maybe they just had some extra time in the downturn. Meaning somebody threatened a lawsuit? Yeah, probably. Yep. <laughs> it's probably something happened. Uh, but they're finally going to be stripping exif data from uh images that you upload, which is, you know, I think started I started doing that and had libraries for that about five minutes after people started embedding location data in exif in exif right. tags in cell phone videos and uh photographs because that's what you do, you mm-hmm. know. But first, you of course, you strip the exit of Latin long and put it in a database so you can go back and reference it later (laughs) if you have to. But it's not in the image for everybody else. You keep it, your data belongs to you Mm -hmm. or me.
1: Right. Well, um, on the security tip, there is a new browser add-on that verifies that sites actually honor their privacy policies, in theory. So just because a website presents a privacy policy, it doesn't mean its code is actually abiding by its own policy, as we all know too well. So researchers from Waterloo University in Ontario, Canada, have created a new browser plugin that verifies this, in theory. I'm assuming they must have a lot of lawyers on staff. Uh, the software-based system is dubbed Mitigator, and it gives users a secure signal when they visit a website that's complying with its own privacy policy so if things such as a if a website requires users to enter an email address but the privacy policy does not mention that requirement you will get a notification which is kind of cool i'm thinking about installing this just to see how many of the sites that i frequent on the reg are keeping up with their own privacy policies i'm willing to bet very few of them
0: I'm willing to bet very few, and I I can't believe they'd have that many sites in the system because this is kind of a complicated problem. Yes, it is, right? That's why I was like, uh,
1: I was thinking there's there's just no way that this actually could possibly work on a ton of sites, but um, I haven't tried it yet, so I'll give it a go this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let me know how it goes because yeah, I just don't see how that's even possible. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. But you know, there are there are people out there that are a lot smarter than I am.
1: Well, you know, at least the press release didn't say they use AI to do
0: it. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> they just use they use the real AI. Yes. Noles. So uh Spotify is has rolled out a couple new features. One is basically kind of like a a shared DJ playlist that you can uh oh, have multiple people use at the same time. And I look or you can like pass control to somebody else so if you had a party and it's like, oh let Joe take over for a while. What what's a party? what's a party exactly and talk about bad timing for a feature and also letting other people control the playlist for anything that you're doing sounds like just hell yeah it sounds
1: horrible to begin with but uh maybe they can just pivot this to be being some sort of contract tracing uh contact tracing
0: program (laughs) that's it yeah (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's bad timing on this feature. Um, And uh, this other one I thought of you for it's Mm -hmm. Spotify Kids. Do you Mm -hmm. uh, use Spotify Kids?
1: No, no, because uh, right now uh, we control the music that he hears. Well, I say that, but he's now figured out how to tell uh, Alexa how to play um, songs from Frozen or whatever. So
0: Mm -hmm. okay, (laughs) he's a little bit
1: too young to worry about this. But I did read through this. And like, if he gets a bit older, yeah, I, I don't need him blasting Old Town Road. 10,000 times. (laughs) Yeah, because you can block it
0: and uh, all that stuff. And it says from children ages 3 and up, so he's just barely getting to the point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it's interesting. It's interesting. They only have got like 8,000 songs in there, which I thought is a pretty small playlist, but they're all child-friendly.
1: Yeah, I'll take a look at it because uh, I'm getting a little bored with his current playing selections. So something new could always be good. Uh, If you're still doing a whole bunch of Zoom meetings, you can uh, the BBC has done something actually kind of cool. They've assembled a gallery of historic still images of empty sets dating back to the 1950s for many of its long running shows, which you can now download and use as backgrounds for your for your video conferences. So you can do a video conference from the, the TARDIS from Doctor Who, if you're a huge fan of that, which is kind of awesome. Uh, So I've got a link to that in the show notes. They've got a whole bunch of different BBC backgrounds and things of that nature. And they've also got a collection of uh, backgrounds from other things, such as Netflix. So you can do your BoJack Horseman. Backgrounds, CBS All Access for Star Trek, obviously. Fox has got Bob's Burgers, The Simpsons, and Family Guy backgrounds. HBO's got Game of Thrones, Last Week Tonight, Silicon Valley, Westworld, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So tons and tons of links and uh, different uh, backgrounds in the link in the show notes. Check it out.
0: I did check it out. Some of them were kind of weak. They just show, it was just like basically, you know, the key art for the show. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's not
1: that fun. Key art is not cool. You want to be in the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, the John Oliver one I thought was the best. Mm Because he's got the chair and he's got the sign up and it'd be fun to sit down in that one. The TARDIS one's pretty cool like that. You could make that work. The ones where they actually, you know, create a scene that you could be in. So it looks like, you know, normal. Like the bridge Um, of the Enterprise
1: as opposed to just the Star Trek logo.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And uh, what was the other one? I mean, at at least Game of Thrones, you get the Iron Throne. That was okay. And so, but yeah, some of these, these guys can do better. These guys can definitely do better. (laughs) And in, in fun crowdfunding news. So long and thanks for all the cash. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the i Backpack?
1: Oh gosh. With that name it must have rolled out back in two thousand. But uh, uh
0: twenty fifteen <laughs> and twenty sixteen. This guy okay. did two he did two crowdfunding campaigns and he took in about eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and basically spent almost none of it on the actual product. Right, of course. So the FTC sued him and uh they they've come to a settlement, which is basically a seven hundred ninety seven thousand dollar five hundred or five hundred and two dollar and twenty cent uh, judgment against him. The thing that pisses me off is the settlement expresses that this guy did not agree to any wrongdoing. Why That he obviously did wrongdoing? If you take, got the money back, yeah, <laughs> or at least a well, settlement against given him.
1: Given the choice between getting all the monies and having him admit that he did something wrong, I'll take I'll take. Let's strip him of all the monies.
0: Okay, he has also been stripped of his crowdfunding rights. He is never again allowed to, <laughs> to use a crowdfunding site. Now, oh, any? Any? Wow, okay.
1: I, I don't yep. know how one police. Thank God we have the internet, please. <laughs> I know. We can have somebody on him 24/7, make sure he doesn't log into anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, he well it says he has agreed to never crowdfund again, but I uh, know. Yeah. Who knows with these sure. things. I mean, he, he it's not me, it's my cat. My cat <laughs> set up this Indiegogo. Come right
1: on. all right so apparently there's a service called wink out there that I'm unaware of it's it's uh, for controlling and and managing your smart home devices and things of that nature so um, yeah they've they pivoted a while back to go to subscriptions to keep a steady stream of money coming in and a lot of a lot of Different companies have, of course, that that's, you know, see the first three years of the show is me screaming about Adobe switching to subscription models and everybody else switching to subscription models, but they've done it as well. They have announced plans to move to a $5 per month subscription on May 13th, which is uh, the day the show comes out. And uh, it's mandatory. If you do not sign up, you will lose access to devices in the app as well as all automations. Uh, so no notice doing it in the middle of a pandemic and basically saying there are no other options.
0: Good move. Oh, yeah. Smooth. Smooth, Mm -hmm. guys. Yeah, because I'm guessing I think they they had a free plan before when you you bought the devices and they would just run for free. And now that they're not selling devices, they don't have the income from the devices to actually offset those costs. Exactly. Which, I mean, let's think about this, guys. That (laughs) was a bad business model to begin with.
1: Yes, but uh, the ability to just uh, basically just say, you've got one week and then we're going to charge you and that's that. That is a dick move. And, oh, super uh, dick move! And people that are using their service are pissed. So
0: I wonder if the FTC should actually step in for that one as well. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yep, ain't gonna happen. No. Nope. Anyway, I have, uh, I you know, I have a standing desk, and I used to stand all the time, and have my treadmill and all that stuff. Well, you know, getting old happens, <laughs> and turns out. Uh, you know, coming up on, you know, I can see 50 over the horizon here and my body is like, no, it's more like 80. Uh, So I had to stop using my standing desk as much. And my chair was like one of those, well, at first I had an air on and then my roommate stole it. So it's, (laughs) that's in the house now. Right. And I got her $30 like office Depot chair, which just not cutting the mustard. I don't know if you could have seen me in the live stream uh, when we did our, when we did our drink up, I'd be sitting there and then I would just get shorter and shorter and shorter and then I would get tall again, then shorter and shorter and shorter and tall again because, you know, the uh, the thing would just keep sliding down. Right. So I bit the bullet and we we talked about our favorite chair, which is the mm-hmm. Herman Miller Mira 2. Ah, yes. I'm sitting arrived. on one now. I am too. It has arrived. I put it together the other day, which, you know, basically the hardest part about putting the mirror two together is getting it out of the cardboard because it comes like basically pre-installed now. Mm-hmm. It, like the first time I got when I had to put, put it together and this one just came, you know, fully hatched out of the womb and it was <laughs> great. Uh, so I have to, I have to say that, uh, you know, I went whole hog and got the the top of the line with all of the features. Because the one feature that the cheap versions don't have is on the front of these, you can change the angle of the seat where your thighs hit it, mm-hmm. which if you're going to be sitting for a long time during the day is a game changer because you can just it's so much more comfy. But it, it'll cost you a pretty penny. But I swear to God, this one's never leaving my sight. It's the its the single so
1: best office chair I've ever had in my entire life. Hands yeah. down. Yeah.
0: brick a brick
1: well, speaking of uh, Zoom backgrounds and what would have made some cool ones, I found this article over on Mental Floss, uh, what Disneyland looked like in 1957, just two years after it opened. So this is some really cool, rare archival footage of the park and somebody just kind of walking around to it. And it's been digitally transferred and cleaned up. So it looks pretty nice, actually, which includes a com- uh, commentary from uh, the guy that shot it, which is uh, Todd Pierce. Uh, he says that... Uh, Yeah, it's really interesting. I just, I'm a Disney freak. I grew up just a couple blocks away from it. I worked there when I was like 15 and I just love all things Disney. And going back and seeing it uh, way back from like the first two years it was open is pretty amazing. So I really enjoyed it. Very cool. And other cool news uh, because, you know, 2020, we already have murder hornets. We have a pandemic. We've also found a black hole basically just outside our doorstep
0: cool yeah can it get here faster
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah astronomers have detected what they say is the closest known black hole to date a stellar mass object in the double star hr 6819 system which is only a thousand light years away so in a thousand light years we will die it's not moving here just kidding that's not how science works that's but not <laughs> very cool
0: a <laughs> thousand light years is about how long april felt so. yes 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 feedback loop Over at Patreon, we've got some new subscribers, Shane and Rock Your Socks Off, as well as Frank. And Frank says, guys, the last few years have been tough, but your show is a great companion. I listen to it on the road at gas stations on the shitter. Give me some space for Christ's sakes. Seriously, though, thanks for being there for all of us. Your friend from Pittsburgh. Thank you, Frank.
1: Thank you. And uh, Mario, who writes in Zero Fucks, I feel like this would make a great new segment for the show. Lots of potential content. Yes, I know there is a guy who doesn't like the profanity on the show. Fuck him. Um, well, the show I feel like Zero bucks is, is <laughs> yeah. every segment, so we're, we got that covered.
0: <laughs> Ooh, maybe that would be a good mask. Ooh, yeah. And Chuck Woma writes over, Hey, a shout-out to two grumpy young geeks, Lily and Fiona. Stay grumpy. Or something like that. Really? I don't know. I'm not good at this sort of thing. The only must-have is a hearty deliveroo! all
1: right thank you chuck woman there's your shout out over at paypal we have uh, donations from breed Elwin, andrew ralph bruce mark michael adam daniel william and leslie who says hi guys i am donating to you as a birthday present for my husband john may 11th he is a big fan and we listen to your podcast together on quarantine grocery store runs in dubai wow believe it
0: or not you help keep us sane thank you well thank no. you thank you and happy birthday john and Sharif writes in, hang in there, guys. You're doing a public service for us listeners by keeping us entertained and grumpy.
1: All right. And Elizabeth who donated as well. Dear Jason, Brian, and Dave. I've been listening to your excellent show for a couple of years now, and I figure it's time to stop freeloading and show some love. You're always looking you're always something to look forward to, and twice a week means double the pleasure. Thanks. Well, thank you, Elizabeth.
0: Thank you, and thank you all who uh, sent us some new donations. And uh, we love you. We really mm-hmm. love you. Thank you. Over at GOG.show, Marcy writes in. If i have my heart set on a certain domain but it's not worth four thousand dollars to me is it worth it to even attempt to make an offer that i can afford i'd rather make rent and put food on the table than pay that amount for a domain no matter how much i like it thanks for your help
1: hey marcy uh you can have any of the domains i own for two thousand (laughs) dollars exactly
0: (laughs) Uh, i would say though uh, go to hover.com gog and search for the base name that you're looking for and then just check out all the new extensions. There are hundreds of them. And I'm sure you can find something that fits there. And, you know, having a .com, which I assume is that that's what it is for that price. If it's not, then that, that's stupid. Uh, stupid price. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't matter anymore. So save your cash and just go grab something new and fun. It's much easier and much yep. cheaper.
1: Agreed. Domain names really don't matter that much anymore. Gianni writes in, I got a question for Jason. I'm a big fan of audiobooks, but I find that recommending books to my friends is hard due to the language barrier. There aren't many audiobooks in Spanish. So I figured that I'd turn myself into an audiobook narrator focusing on narrating the Spanish versions of the books I love and share them with my friends. So my question would be, what recommendations would you give me if I wanted to delve into audio production? Where is best to learn about it, or what was your journey into that space, Jason? I know I probably won't need to go that deep into it, since recording in a closet should be good enough quality to share with my friends, but I'd like to develop some skills along the way and see if I can make something of it in the Spanish audiobook narration field.
0: All right. First, uh, if you're getting into the field, make sure that those books that you're reading uh, just go to your friends. Uh, You can make a demo reel, but you don't want to put those on the internet. I was going to
1: mention that after you finished all your technical (laughs) stuff. I would say the best way to get into the field would not be to take copywritten material and record them because that is illegal. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a Project Gutenberg for Spanish books, but you should check that out because that way you can get uh, open source books so that have no copyright on them mm-hmm. and uh, or have expired the copyrights expired and read those. But uh, let me just run through this real quick to get you up to speed. First off, go check out the mics we have at GOG.show slash Adorama and grab one of the dynamic mics. Those are going to be good enough for what you want to do and get a pop filter and a stand that works for your workspace. And you're going to want to get good software. It It makes your life just a lot easier. I mean, you can technically use Audacity or GarageBand, but they kind of suck. And the few bucks you'll spend will be just a great investment because you'll always use it. Uh, and then I recommend getting a subscription to an online school like Skillshare or one of those that have you know tons of lessons from actual people who actually know how to use the software and just devour the tutorials and practice, practice, practice. Read a lot. And Google's your friend. There's videos on YouTube for just about anything audio. Uh, I use Logic Pro 10 for all my editing work, but if you're on a PC, that won't work. Uh, So I recommend getting a Mac because audio on the PC is a pain in the ass. So there you go.
1: There you go. Dan writes in, hey, Grumps, in episode 437, you mentioned the danger of Uber drivers taking selfies while driving to verify that they are wearing masks. Here's one better. Pre-COVID-19, I had a driver take a FaceTime call with her daughter. It was freaked. I was freaked the hell out, but wasn't comfortable asking her to stop because I wanted to preserve my higher than average rider rating. It was uncomfortable and weird and definitely a first. Now, see, this is exactly what Black (laughs) Mirror predicted would happen. This is bullshit. If you're uncomfortable with it, then say something. The fact that we're all doing these stars for each other shouldn't stop you.
0: It's illegal to do that. And it's not it's not cool. (laughs) it's not cool it's not safe and yeah you should have stopped the car immediately and it got out and called uber and said look you know, this is what's going on. Or just, you know, been nice and tapped the guy on the shoulder, the girl on the shoulder and said, ah, can you not, do that, can you while you're not driving? do that while you're driving me? Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that.
1: And if you get a bad rating, go to, the- oh, yeah, no customer service. I forgot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, and speaking of Black Mirror that you mentioned, uh, did you see that the guy said not going to do the next season because the world is just too miserable already?
1: <laughs> I did see that. He's was like, the world does not need this from me right now.
0: <laughs> exactly. I thought that was great. And Mel, the conservative, writes in on how to start in cybersecurity. And uh, this is a novel, so I am going to (laughs) paraphrase this one. Um, Mel has been in basically IT for many, many years, uh, about 20, as, uh, as a Unix sysadmin, then pivoted into windows sys admitting because that's what most of america runs on Mm -hmm. and the long and the short of it is you need to get into these systems and basically just work in them to learn what all the systems do before you can protect them uh security certificates are generally bs because you need real world experience and uh there is no direct path into becoming a you know a real cybersecurity professional that's you know like okay let's do Step A, step B, step C is like just get in there, start learning the systems, work your way up, and that's really what's going to get you a real career in it. And mm. he does he does say at the end, uh, Oh, 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 before I forget, Viva Trump. I mean, you're <laughs> liberally dropping F bombs on the guy several times in one episode. I thought it's only fair.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. Funny. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Sperry writes in, uh, guys, is this the way to opening up live music again? And it's a link to something called a micro shell. And it says, kind of cool, though. Imagine people wearing this in the streets as regular day wear. I think we're moving into weird sci-fi future territory here. Yeah, I took a look at it. Um, given the choice between wearing this stupid outfit, unless I'm going to like a 1990s era rave uh, or not going to the show,
0: I'm going to go with not going to the show. I think it's kind of cool in, in a very Gibsonian way. You know? Yeah,
1: it's weird.
0: And and uh, just, just go check it out. You have to check it out. And what I love about it is it is definitely probably meant for raves because you have this weird self-contained thing with uh, tubes that go in and you can put in these canisters. And in the, the demo, they have a vape canister and a drink canister. <laughs> And I was just like, hmm, okay, I wonder where you're coming from. Yes. And there's a lot
1: of day glow involved from in the design. I don't see this, they're not terribly fashion forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, but man, they they just the, the way they put this thing together is pretty cool. I mean, they've got a fully 3D walking version of it that actually looks really well done. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a well done site. It kind of reminds me of the stuff that we would do back in the day to just have fun in our yeah. off time, <laughs> but they did it a lot better than we did. <laughs> And Mike writes in, I've listened to the show long enough that when I hear pay now, get later, I immediately get suspicious. <laughs> Loomy. Loomy. <laughs> Wondering if either of you have heard of the Remarkable 2. It sells itself as a nearly paper-thin tablet and looks really awesome for taking notes. And at only $500 Canadian, it seems like a steal. Hoping you can help me determine where it fits on the Magic Leap Index of products <laughs> that seem too good to be true. Thanks. <laughs> Well, I got a few thoughts about this. Um, a few of my friends actually have the original Remarkable. Do you have anybody that has no one of these, Brian? No, because I always thought the price point
1: was too high. Because you can get a full service tablet that can kind of do that, anyways, with certain apps. So,
0: yeah, that's the thing about it. What what sets it apart is the fact that there aren't that many apps, and it is yeah. kind of meant for taking notes. Yeah, and it feels like paper because it's e ink. Um, but my friends love it. They absolutely love it, and they use it for taking notes all the time. Mm-hmm. And I watch the videos for the Remarkable 2, and it looks rad. It really <laughs> does. Um, I'd be skeptical of the S- September ship dates right now since yeah, wh- who's making anything, you know. <laughs> uh, but they have made and shipped several batches so far. So this would be like the one that was coming out was like batch five, which means – they, you know, they can make them, and they've got a good track record with the remarkable of actually making and shipping things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I still, it's neat. <laughs> Damn thing is neat.
1: Again, though, you're 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 basically buying an iPad at that price point, and you can Without do this all on, the on iPad-iness. an iPad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, and you can buy a lot of paper. You know, it. It. The whole point of <laughs> it is, it feels like paper. paper. You could have notebooks for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, yeah, the thing's got handwriting recognition, and you can turn it into a PDF, but then you have to use the e-ink keyboard to edit. And I'm like, okay, I can buy a notebook. I can take a picture of it with my phone and run it through a dozen apps that you can get on the App Store for $3 to turn, turn it into hand recognition, you know, mm-hmm. and then send it off through that. And there is some noticeable lag in this video uh where where they show them drawing with it mm-hmm. and there's always going to be lag but i think e-ink is you know just a little bit laggier and they say this one's even faster than the the one um but i got an ipad pro with the uh, the pencil and it looks faster than this because i mean there's almost no lag on it and right. uh, i use notes plus which is just awesome so uh it's up to you man i mean if i had the extra cash to burn and i did you know it was just a throwaway purchase i would probably get one because it is neat Yes, but you're sitting on your extra cash right now. I am. I I very much am. And (laughs) I love it.
1: If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and snarky review.
0: Yeah, please do, because we got no (laughs) iTunes reviews this week. Hmm, Sad, sad. Hmm. But if you're listening to us on the Overcast player, please go click those stars next to the episode. We appreciate it. (gasps) out a lot of sad news from the
1: uh world of music this week and the last week since we've recorded uh one of the big ones for me uh it was sad to hear that florian schneider co-founder of Fra- craftwork is dead at 73 so uh this was not COVID 19 related he'd been dealing with uh cancer for a little
0: bit so unfortunately he has passed away so there goes the robots Yep. yeah and uh sad news about little Richard. Mm-hmm. He died at the age of eighty-seven. Good run. Very good run.
1: There would be no rock and roll without him.
0: Nope, there would not. And he died from bone cancer. Not the mm. not the Rona.
1: Eighty seven. Damn good run.
0: Yeah. And I got to hang out with him at the first my first literally internet launch party. We hired him <laughs> as the king of Rocktropolis. Nice. And super nice guy. Super sweet. Just he was he was a, a gem to everybody. And uh, so I have always had fond memories of his music, but then once I got to meet him, I was just like this guy's he's a class act <laughs> and uh in strange news, the double rainbow guy Paul Vasquez has died as well okay so uh i it's it's kind of odd he was uh he was young he's only fifty seven so uh, we don't know what the cause of death is, but he said on May 5th that he was uh, tested for COVID-19 and never came back with the results and passed away.
1: So, so chances are because he had a high fever and trouble breathing, which is not good, according to the But I do want to make a call out to CNN here. CNN, uh, let me read this little descript. Vasquez, the portly man. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why did you have to include that?
0: Exactly. Give the guy
1: a little respect. He just passed
0: away. Anyway, until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to GOG.show slash donate. Toss us a few bucks and we'll love you forever. And if you want those masks, go to GOG.show slash shop. Your support really keeps us going and we really appreciate it. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 438. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, donate to the show, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy and somebody go fucking arrest Elon Musk.